You are listening to Perspectives on Progress, a special edition of CapitalCast. I'm Rebecca Anzell. Our team at Capital News Illinois is speaking with members of the Illinois Legislative Black Caucus about the effect of systemic racism on the state's communities. We've been hearing from them about the specific societal, policing, criminal justice, education, and healthcare changes they say need to occur for Illinois to move forward. Today, in the ninth episode of Perspectives on Progress, we'll speak with Representative Debbie Myers-Martin. She spent much of her time before becoming a representative, serving her community on countless organizational boards and committees. In the General Assembly, she continues in that vein as a member of six legislative panels. Representative Myers-Martin's district is in the southwest Chicago suburbs. We spoke about the role of what she called attitude in changing public sentiment toward race and how negative media portrayals of Black communities do more harm than good. There has been protests not only in Illinois, but across the country and internationally as well. Um, uh, How are you doing? Actually, uh, it's, it's, um, it actually feels good. It feels good to see that uh, there is buy-in from a lot of young people. That's what I'm noticing uh, on the various protests from state to state, city to city, and even globally that a lot of the people are are young people, and I'm glad to see that they are engaged and that this is something that that they are sincerely feeling as a wrong that needs to be corrected, that uh, it is time to begin to address uh, racial inequities, not only in the United States, but across the world. And I'm hoping that, that this is a continuous uh, fight and continuous involvement and engagement and not just a temporary band-aid to to something very tragic. Is there anything, I guess this, I guess you already answered this, but when you look around at these protests, like you said, there's a lot of youth that are organizing them. Um, Is there anything that that gives you hope for, for future change? It does give me hope, and, and that's why, you know, as I view the protests, uh, I, I have a feeling of, of hopefulness because uh, it really does appear that this is something that is heartfelt. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, a sad or something trendy or, or, you know, something for the moment, but that there is true understanding that this is a real problem that has been going on for a very long time and that it is time now to seriously look at solutions, seriously look at reform, uh, and seriously look at um, our ability to to change attitudes about uh, being complicit with with some of these you know, very tragic acts that we have seen over the years. One thing that I've been asking your colleagues is, um, given the history of systemic racism um, in, you know, in terms of both 
laws, the criminal justice system, policing. Um, I've been asking senators and representatives if they if they've experienced um, something related to 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 what we're seeing now in at, at any point in their life. Well, well, seemingly uh, there has been anger or frustration expressed previously at other incidents. And, you know, I mean, you can just take anything off the top of your head as, as far as uh, the Laquan McDonald case or or just recently, uh, you know, the, the murder in Georgia or so, so, but this feels different. I know that the Black Caucus in particular is working very hard uh, to come up with resolutions, not only to criminal justice reform, but also ways to rebuild and recover our communities, not only from COVID-19, but also, you know, the unrest and the violence that we have seen as well. So it is a very big priority, uh, not only for the legislators in Illinois, but I think across the country. And certainly our governor has expressed, um, you know, support and passion uh, for for resolution and for uh legislation to to begin to create a difference in the way Illinois operates. What do you think needs to change in in society, in the criminal justice system, um, perhaps in law that will sort of help create a more equitable field for everybody? That is absolutely true. And I think one of the biggest changes needs to be attitude. I think I mentioned that earlier. Uh, the, the premise of, you know, fairness and equity and racial, racial justice, those are not real. No one is doing you a favor by, by being fair or being equitable. Uh, it's, it's our right. It's our right uh, to, as a culture, and uh, from ethnicity and a race of people, it's our right to be treated that way. And so when there are attitudes that that is not required or that is not important, then that is where you begin to see this disrespect and, and, and certainly violence and the types of incidents that we witnessed last Monday with Mr. Floyd. So... Attitude is very important uh, and a very important change. And, and so everyone should be outraged when anyone is disrespected or that they are not treated fairly or that there is racial injustice. Everyone should be outraged because it is a right for everyone, every human being that, that lives on the planet. So I would say attitude is possibly first, you know, plateau that we must address. Is there anything that you've heard from your constituents, perhaps, um, or your colleagues, something that if the legislature came back, either in a special session or in veto session, you might be looking to to do? Well, I know that there were several criminal justice bills that either 
were introduced uh, or, uh, you know, were assigned to committees. But as you know, because of COVID-19, we had a very, uh, we had, had a very short session. And so the, the normal process of, you know, moving bills out and getting them to the floor did not occur. So I know that there are several bills, uh, like House Bill, you know, 4428 or um, House Bill 4103. So, so there are uh, bills that I know that we will be working on over the summer, along with new legislation, because those bills were filed even before this incident occurred. And we see now, uh, and I know that I'm working toward um, bills that will begin to address uh, the um, police use of force, uh, those policies, uh, to find out where they can be tweaked and where some of them can just be totally, um, you know, changed uh, so that we don't find this happening over and over and over again. And we know that this is not the first incident. Uh, one of the things that comes to mind when I watch the video is that we were fortunate to have a video, but who knows how many times this occurs on a daily basis and there's no camera and no one knows that that it happened. And, and so we have to begin to look at those use of force policies. We have to look at training for police officers, and I mean serious training. Uh, I have heard from, and I and I work with police officers a lot, and, and I know that they are dedicated, committed individuals that are very important to our society. Uh, and, uh, but I have talked to many, and, and they say that, yes, you know, there are uh, trainings and classes that, that are, you know, provided for police officers as part of their training. So diversity training, um, you know, ethnic sensitivity, uh, you know, just all of those, those types of uh, civil rights classes. But some of them, based on who teaches them, you know, maybe are not taken seriously. And so we, we need to... Uh, make sure that the training is much more effective and much more prevalent across the country. Uh, we also have heard about, you know, having community oversight and uh, the fact that there should be um, uh, a tweaking of the body cams legislation. I mean, there's a lot of ways that I think that we can be effective going forward in addressing some of the ills that we have witnessed over recent years. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to begin to roll up our sleeves and, and, and begin to address some of those issues. And I'm hoping that, you know, we will get universal uh, buy-in to, to doing that. And maybe, you know, what we have seen in terms of the protests and, and the, the seemingly uh, 
interest in making real change will help us do that. So you mentioned before that changing changing uh, society's attitude is, is really paramount. And as a reporter, what I, I'm interested in knowing... Um, when you, when you interact with the news, when you read something in a newspaper or online or see something on TV, um, is there anything that you think, are there any stories that you think are being told in a way that's not productive? Is there anything you would change um, in media coverage of these events or um, in the national conversation that you think would help um, help encourage society to change its attitude? Hmm. Well, I certainly believe in you know, freedom of the press. Uh, but sometimes uh, media can be, um, they, they can appear to be uh, seeking, a, you know, the bad stories and focusing on the criminal intent versus the peaceful demonstration. So, so I have noticed that whether it be in this situation where, you know, you're showing, you know, a very small minority of people who are actually looting or, or being destructive versus the peaceful demonstrations that, that are demonstrating solidarity and sort of a, a unity of purpose from most of the protesters. So you've seen that certainly uh, we in the South Suburb complain a lot about, well, the media seems to be more focused on the negative aspect of, of things uh, that go on in the South Suburbs versus positive stories. Uh, Students that are doing well and excelling, or business owners, or towns that are that are being uh, community spirited. Uh, so, you know, I see that from time to time, and uh, and certainly uh, we have reached out to the media on numerous occasions because a lot of times my district, the South Suburb, the Southland is totally ignored as it related to the city of Chicago or even other parts of the state. Um, But, and certainly I think that they've improved, but that would be, you know, that would be something that I would, would want to see improve their ability to focus on positive aspects of a story as well. So before I let you go, um, is there anything that, that you sort of want to leave with Illinoisans? Is there a message you have for them or something you think is important to remind people? Uh, well, first of all, I, I want people to feel comfortable and uh, free to reach out to me as a legislator uh, to talk about concerns they have, Uh, suggestions they have, recommendations that they have, because my role in Springfield uh, and as a legislator uh, for 38th District is to represent the people that live here. 
And so I need to hear from them. I need to know what they're thinking. And that's the first and foremost that I would encourage them to reach out to me. But secondly, uh, you get much more done when you work together. And so even though some of us have different ideas of how to accomplish goals, as long as we have the same goal, which should be the improvement of the quality of life for our towns to be prosperous and um, safe, um, you know, we can get there together, working together, uh, even if we have different ideas of how that should happen. Uh, so, so I would just encourage people to, to be open-minded and, and to really know that, you know, the future now is in everyone's hands. I mean, we're almost starting from scratch. And so the future can be anything that we want it to be, but we've got to work together. Representative, thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you for including me uh, as one of the people you wanted to interview. That was Illinois Representative Debbie Myers-Martin, and you've been listening to Perspectives on Progress, a special edition of CapitalCast. You can find more episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or on our website, capitalnewsillinois.com. CapitalCast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Production assistance was provided by Sam Dunklaw, and our theme music is by Kevin McLeod. I'm Rebecca Anzel.